Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts out there. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor, but still want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, to name a few. Perfect for enjoying with family or friends and taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 2575, Fixed Schedule Productivity, by Cal Newport of calnewport.com. And I'm Justin Mollick. I'm gonna jump right into today's post as we optimize your life. Fixed Schedule Productivity, How I Accomplish a Large Amount of Work in a Small Number of Work Hours, by Cal Newport of calnewport.com. My schedule should be terrible. I should have an overwhelming, Maalox-guzzling, stress-saturated schedule. Here's why. I'm a graduate student in a demanding program. I'm working on several research papers while also attempting to nail down some key ideas for my dissertation. I'm TAing and taking courses. I maintain this blog. I'm a staff writer for Flack Magazine. And to keep things interesting, I'm working on background research for a potential new book project you would be reasonable to assume that I must get, on average, seven to eight minutes of sleep a night. But you would also be wrong. Let me explain. For some reason, it's not. Here's my actual schedule. I work from nine to five on weekdays, in the morning on Sunday. That's it. Unless I'm bored, I have no need to even turn on a computer after five during the week or any time on Saturday. I fill these times instead, doing, well, whatever I want. How do I balance an ambitious workload with an ambitiously sparse schedule? It's a simple idea I call fixed schedule productivity. Fixed schedule productivity. The system works as follows. Number one, choose a schedule of work hours that you think provides the ideal balance of effort and relaxation. Number two, do whatever it takes to avoid violating the schedule. This sounds simple, but think about it for a moment. Satisfying rule two is not easy. If you took your current projects, obligations, and work habits, you'd probably fall well short of satisfying your ideal work schedule. Here's a simple truth. To stick to your ideal schedule will require some drastic actions. For example, you may have to dramatically cut back on the number of projects you are working on, ruthlessly cull inefficient habits from your daily schedule, risk mildly annoying or upsetting some people in exchange for large gains in time freedom, and stop procrastinating. In the abstract, these all seem like hard things to do. But when you have the focus of a specific goal, I do not want to work past five on weekdays, you'd be surprised by how much easier it becomes to deploy these strategies in your daily life. Let's look at an example. Case study, my schedule. My schedule provides a good case study. To reach my relatively small work hour limit, I have to be careful with how I go about my day. 
I see enough bleary-eyed insomniacs around here to know how easy it is to slip into a noon to 3 a.m. routine, the infamous MIT cycle. Here are some of the techniques I regularly use to remain within the confines of my fixed schedule. Number one, I serialize my projects. I keep two project cues, one for my student projects and one for my writing projects. At any one moment, I'm only working on the top project from each queue. When I finish, I move on to the next. This focus lets me churn out quality results without the wasted time of constantly dancing back and forth between multiple efforts. Number two, I'm ultra clear about when to expect results from me, and it's not always soon. If someone slips something onto my queue, I make an honest evaluation of when it will percolate to the top. I communicate this date. Then I make it happen when the time comes. You can get away with telling people to expect a result a long time in the future if, and this is a big if, you actually deliver when promised. Number three, I refuse. If my queue is too crowded for a potential project to get done in time, I turn it down. Number four, I drop projects and quit. If a project gets out of control and starts to sap too much time from my schedule, I drop it. If something demonstrably more important comes along and it conflicts with something else in my queue, I drop the less important project. If an obligation is taking up too much time, I quit. Here's a secret. No one really cares what you do on the small scale. In the end, you're judged on your large scale list of important completions. Number five, I'm not available. I often work in hidden nooks of the various libraries on campus. I check and respond to work email only a few times a day. People have to wait for responses from me. It's often hard to find me. Sometimes they get upset at first, but they don't really need immediate access. And I will always respond within a reasonable time frame and get them what they need. So they adjust and I get things done. Number six, I batch and habitatize. Any regularly occurring work gets turned into a habit, something I do at a fixed time on a fixed date. For example, I write blog posts on Sunday morning. I do reading for my seminar on Friday and Monday mornings, etc. Habit-based schedules for the regular work makes it easier to tackle the non-regular projects. It also prevents schedule-busting pileups. Number seven, I start early, sometimes real early. On certain projects that I know are important, I don't tolerate procrastination. It doesn't interest me. If I need to start something two or three weeks in advance so that my queue proceeds as needed, I do so. Why this works. You could fill any arbitrary number of hours with what feels to be productive work between email and crucial web surfing and to-do lists that in the age of David Allen grow to lengths that rival the Bible, there's always something you could be doing. At some point, however, you have to put a stake in the ground and say, I know I have a never-ending stream of work, but this is when I'm going to face it. If you don't do this, you let the never-ending stream of work push you around like a bully. It will force you into tiring, inefficient schedules, and you'll end up more stressed and no more accomplished. Fix the schedule you want, then make everything else fit around your needs. Be flexible, be efficient. If you can't make it fit, change your work. But in the end, don't compromise. No one really cares about your schedule except for yourself. So make it right. You just listened to the post titled Fixed Schedule Productivity by Cal Newport of calnewport.com. Thank you to Cal. 
I might have a bit of a different story as I do this for a living now, so I do work from home and often work nights and weekends, pretty much every night and every weekend, in fact. But I can say that his rules, like he said, would be difficult to implement. Those rules being to choose a schedule of work hours that you think provides the ideal balance of effort and relaxation. And then the second rule being to do whatever it takes to avoid violating the schedule. For me, I'm quite the opposite. I tend to work when I get up, shove random things that need to get done during the daytime, like appointments, groceries and errands, taking a walk, that sort of thing, and then continue working into the night. Setting a schedule and sticking to it would be a complete overhaul and massive change in my life. And maybe it's not the same for you, but I could definitely relate when he said that it would require drastic actions. And as usual, this doesn't mean we need to follow these rules, but instead, hopefully, we can see how much he has accomplished, which, by the way, is even more since he wrote this article. He's now a popular author of multiple highly reviewed best-selling books. And then we can learn from what he's done, maybe try to implement it or part of it, experiment with it, whatever we like. That's the fun of this podcast. We get lots of perspectives and can try whatever resonates with us. We're all different. I'm sure tomorrow we'll have a completely different perspective, as the title of that one is Eight Things Everyone Should Do Before 8 a.m. I'll have to see what that's all about because I'm not even awake usually at that time. So with that, thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you tomorrow sometime after 8 a.m. where your optimal life awaits.